We speak with the Makadilla Rifle Club in Queensland on politics, its history and how it grew its membership from near extinction to now being a thriving club. Put frankly, it's easier to kill 10 people with a gun than it is with a knife. Welcome to the Go Users Australia podcast. It's the podcast for Australian shooters who just want the political interference taking out of shooting. Okay, I've got John Downs uh, from the Muckadilla Rifle Club with me. How are you doing, John? Yeah, good, thank you, Neil. Excellent. Um, now, John, you're, as I said, with the Muckadilla Rifle Club, and just to explain, Muckadilla uh, is a, about a six-hour drive from Brisbane, due west. Yeah, about 580, 600 kilometres west, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And just having a look at some maps, that's about a third of the way across the state. I mean, you've got to go for another 12 hours before you get to Birdsville. But, but that's that's sort of where, where the club is. So it's uh, you call it west, um, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. only a third of the way across. So the Muckatilla Rifle Club. Can you just give a rundown of, of the history of, of of the club, where it came from? Okay, it was originally set up in 1885 as a response to the Crimea War by the colonial authorities, and it was called the Roma Rifle Corps back then. And there are a lot of other clubs being started up around Australia due to that uh, military action around about this sort of time. We morphed on then to the Roma Rifle Club and then from there uh, in 1979 when our range was closed in Roma, we morphed into Muckadilla Rifle Club. Um, as the, the towns, the, the drift from the, the bush to the cities got, you know, fewer and fewer shooters, um, we had five other clubs in the in the area, well, that all morphed into Western District Rifle Association, which Muckadilla is the only active range now. So it started off as a conglomeration of rifle clubs, but now it's just Muckadilla. So Muckadilla, yeah, so Muckadilla itself is quite a small town, and a population of a bit, bit under 60, you, you drive through it. Um, but it looks like it's quite a big range. What's um, What does it cater for? Uh, out to 900 yards, um, and we also, we're... The manifesto of the club says shooting in all its forms, but basically it's full bore. So it class shooting, uh, you know, and then the full bore distance like target rifle, 308s, 33s, and, you know, all the wildcat cartridges and things that go into F class. So, but we've got a 100 yard range as well, sighting in range and small stuff, and we get other people coming out using the range as well, like rear shooters setting their rifles up for rear shooting and all that sort of stuff. So it's basically just full ball. Yeah. You uh, sent me some articles which showed the history of of the range um, before it was relocated from Roma. Um, there's a few old photographs that were floating around. I think the, it was in 1884, a year before Roma was established, that uh, the Queensland Parliament, because we weren't a federation then, um, passed their Defence Act. So that was to encourage the establishment of rifle clubs um, to encourage rifle shooting throughout the colony, um, they're the words in this article. Um, so that's um, probably one, it's one of the few clubs I've come across that's pre-Federation. I'm sure there's a few more. Um, but the old photographs uh, that you sent, uh, they were taken around the 1920s, um, so you could tell by the attire. Um, in fact, in the photographs, you've still got some uh, men who are still wearing their military uniforms, probably without some of the 
things that they, they put on the uniform. But uh, even the women, you can tell with their, uh, I think they're called kush, kush hats, the round top hats. So it's all from the, uh, basically from 1900 to 1920 in that, in that era. Yeah, the, the, the photos are really something. And uh, Old Lee and Pilsley, Medford's and, um, you know, Martini, Martini Henry. And then the, the different target rifles in the Martini Henry's as well, they're all in those photos. So it, it's fascinating stuff. Um, and the, the people in those photos are really the founders of the, the large town of Roma. You know, the, the names that keep appearing in there, like Coomer and Miss Campbell and Others, they really set up the town. So um, they were rifle shooters, but they're also big movies in the town politics. So it was a major part of the, it was a major sporting endeavor, you know, it's either horses or rifle shooting or tennis, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned politics, and that was mm-hmm. when our uh, political leaders were actually proud to be patrons of clubs and associated with clubs, and they were a part of clubs. And yeah. uh, as you know, that's, that's changed quite a lot over the years. Uh, Anne Leary's our patron, who's a, a member from r and So our local member of parliament is our patron for the club, which is good. Um, it, it's good that we get, and we get terrific backing from the local council as well. So um, I, I guess because rifle shooting is quite a big thing out here with all the roo shooters. Uh, and, it, you know, every house is, well, out in the bushes, every house has got a shotgun and a rifle, you know, a number of rifles. It's very much part of the, the way of life out here. So um, we do get backing from the council uh, in a very major way, as well as from local parliament. So your local member is Anne Lay, yes, who's yep. a, from the LNP. Yep. So she's a patron of the club. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, because I was actually oh. going to lead on to that as to how you oh, sorry, got over your local MP. No, 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 no. I'm happy you actually said that because it's not often now you find uh, MPs that are patrons of, of clubs. Um, they Certainly down south uh, where premiers and even prime ministers used to be patrons of clubs, they uh, they sort of walked away from that. Um, they're certainly down south and it's good to see that it's still continuing in the north. We just have to try to turn the boat around in other states. Uh, so in terms of, let's talk about politics. So you, obviously there's been pressures on clubs over the years to stay open and uh, be able to attract uh, members. What have been, been the main, I guess, um, issues I think that you, your club's faced over the years? Look, uh, the, there's been a major shift of population from the bush to the city over many years, and this is due to a number of reasons. This, you know, farming's got bigger, bigger properties, bigger machinery. Uh, things have done much more efficiently, so we don't have the population base to run the farms now. And that, that population base mate was, a, you know, at the core of rifle shooters. We still got a large population of roo shooters, a fair number who are in our club. Um, I, I come from that background as well. Uh, but, but the political, you know, building pressures that we lost our first range due to pressures of development around the first range in Roma, and it, it just continues to ramp up. For, and you'll be noticing that in the city that any gun sort of sentiment and all, it's all bad. So it's just an ongoing pressure thing, and we're trying to respond that uh, a number of ways. The biggest thing is that we try to do things very much above board, like if anything's not um, up to speed uh, at local, state or federal level, it, it has to be, because you can't sort of turn your back on any bylaw or any state or federal law regarding anything, be it range, 
standing orders or or you know council permits uh, they all have to be ticked and if you fail to do that you're leaving yourself liable um and you just can't afford that in this day and age yeah you mentioned the pressures on the shooting sports so obviously they're fairly universal around the place but in addition to that is in the modern environment um, we're competing against other um, outlets for kids to come into the sport and stay, uh, which means um, you know, facilities become a big issue too, um, having nice nice club rooms and, and I guess opportunities to, to go on and that's, that's, that's a hard, that's tough. It's not impossible, certainly with football, because you've still got representation at Commonwealth uh, Games and, and other international events uh, through the Queensland Rifle Association, is that right? That's correct, yeah. yeah PRA and NRAAC and Teams overseas, uh, particularly NRAA, it's in teams overseas regularly. And, um, you know, I think everyone aspires, or not everyone, but many people aspire to get on that. And it's a good pathway uh, from local level to state and to national or international levels. But, um, yeah, you know, we, we do have those avenues to, to pursue. What, what about the cost of ammo? Uh, <laughs> Uh, most of the shoots out here hand load. Uh, are, are, if you're going to be competitive at these longer distances, you pretty much have to hand load. So at the moment, it's very hard to get good projectiles. Uh, primers are an issue. So when I'm assembling rounds for my rifle, I, I dare say it costs about a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty a round, uh, and that just it's more sourcing the ammunition, sourcing the componentry. Once you've got it, it's not too much because a normal match, uh, even over a single day, is normally only 36 shots or something like that. So it's not a lot of ammunition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but practice, if you're trying to practice to improve and things like that, it mounts up. It's, yeah, just accessing the componentry. Like most sports are expensive for some sort of degree these days. So it's just not going back to anything. Hey fellow shooters, we just wanted to thank you for your support for Gun News Australia. If you're enjoying the show and want to help us continue with great content, why not consider a donation or become a subscriber? You can do both at politicsreloaded.com. You mentioned to me uh, a while ago that you had a, um, there was one division that you had that um, you had two members in and then you're actually expanded that to 30 members. Uh, I think that what new intake are they new members? Yeah, look, um, the, the club was down to only two shooting members about four years ago, and now we're up to over 30 shooting members, which is good. So the club was on its knees, it was on its deathbed. And the NRAA, National Rifle Association of Australia, introduced a new division called Sport Hunter, which allows people, you know, the roo shooters like ready to roll up and uh, with their, their work rifles uh, and just magazine-fed rifles, light rifles, not such powerful scopes, to to compete. And that's brought a huge number of shooters in. Muckadilla is predominantly uh, a sport of hunter club. The, the city clubs are more F-class or target rifle, you know, 308s or uh, different F-class divisions. But out here, we're mainly sport of hunter because everyone's hunting. Uh, you know, I've got the re-shooter background, people coming in, uh, and we've got the farmers coming off their properties. So it, the biggest part of our membership increase has been through this one division that has been brought in, and it's been a godsend for the club because I think the club will probably have closed by now. 
And is that called the Sporter Hunter Division? Is that what its name is? Yes, yes it is, the Sporter Hunter. And they've just um, put a new section into that, so you've got open-class rifles and store-bought rifles. So the you know, idea, initially it was just for store-bought rifles, so you'd go in and buy your store-bought rifle and you, you didn't spend a zillion dollars on it and you could go out with your factory ammunition even and not get a high because it's pretty disappointing to go out against the big guns with their $15,000 rifles and, and get a flogging, you know, so it's nice to be rolling, able to roll in with your real rifle and uh, and do well and, and come out winning, you know, so it's been a major thing for us. Yeah. The, I guess that's um, actually a useful lesson for clubs around Australia that if they uh, are finding it difficult to keep their numbers up, um, you know, I mean, I like to be a bit of a purist in, in terms of the competitions that that I participate in, but at the end of the day, there are some realities that have to be uh, acknowledged as well. And if the number's going down uh, and you can gain access to other shooters, and in your case, Roo shooters, um, yeah, look, I mean, they're looking for somewhere to shoot and you're giving them somewhere to shoot. It seems to be a fairly logical step forward. And, uh, you know, clubs have to think forward. They have to think for this. Otherwise, as you said, they'll be on the knees and one day they'll just find they can't they can't open the doors again and they'll lose their property. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And um, uh, we, I'm up here, I've only been recently elected president to the club. Uh, a previous president um, has moved to another position and I, I'm trying to expand it even more. So we're just applying for a women in sport. It's a the North State Government Initiative Women in Sport program and we're trying to get, you know, we'll be advertising and getting a, uh, a rifle system that's friendly to shoot uh, for ladies, and um, we're looking at inter-club competitions, but not amongst the, the target rifle clubs like we shoot, but, but between different divisions. So you've got SSAA, you've got NRAA, QRA, and then you've got um, um, Shooters Union. Well, I'm in the process of trying to set up something with Shooters Union, which is our, our local club. Uh, Wallambula, which is about another 100 kilometres from here. They're shooters union doing um, steel target stuff. Um, and uh, we're trying to sort of set up a system where we can compete equally against each other. So it's a matter of broadening the, the shooter population and also exposing other shooters to what they can do. Because, you know, the idea is to grow the sport. And I, I want to see the sport like it was in the 70s and the 60s. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, I used to shoot at Malabar and there'd be hundreds of men on the range on the on Saturday afternoon, not just 100 or 200, but many hundreds. And it was just massive. It was a massive sport. And uh, I'd like to see it back to where it was. I agree. And I think it's possible. Might, people might say it's unlikely and they can't see it, but tell me why it can't be done. Exactly. It can uh, be done. Uh, it, mm. it has to be done. I think if we're going to preserve this, this sport that we have, it's a matter of getting people to think outside the square. And, you know, I've, I've been talking on local radio stations and uh, the newspaper. Our local newspaper's been terrific. Um, Maranoa today, the local radio station's been good. I'll be approaching ABC uh, radio and television this year about uh, filming and giving a small coverage uh, for, um, for our major shoots at, at, during the middle of the year. So it's a matter of exposing people to shooting sports and 
um, as not a negative thing, but a positive thing, because most people think of, unfortunately, Hollywood just, it's all about guns kill people. And to me, they basically they punch holes in pieces of paper. Um, yeah, so it's about changing this attitude that everyone has. Four things that you mentioned there that I just wouldn't mind touching on. One is the last one, which is about the narrative around shooting and people who have heard the podcast, who have seen the articles, will have seen me use the phrase, um, she might just study in because I hit the microphone. Um, So people who have followed our podcasts or articles would have seen me use the phrase guns and sport, uh, whereas the narrative tends to be about guns and crime. And it's about, it's the wrong way around, and I will cover that in more detail. Um, I know you want to say something. No, no, I, look, I've been, I was shooting my grandfather's property from when I was six. Um, and there was no harm in that. We're out shooting roos and foxes, not roos and foxes, um, rabbits and foxes down in Victoria. Uh, and then from there, I, I went into target shooting and then finally went into professional shooting. It, it's just a sport. It's that's all it is. Yeah. It's a score. You also mentioned speaking with the local papers, and I think that's absolutely commendable because a lot of shooters are uh, perhaps unaware, wary of speaking with the, the media. They think that if they talk to the media, it's going to turn sour on them. And it's, in my view, it's just a matter of thinking about the story that you want to go to them with. Uh, if you go to them with no story and you start bumbling and talking about stuff that's uh, completely inappropriate, yeah, they'll grab that. But if you go to them with a story about the history of your club, about the successes of your junior or elderly members or whatever it is, if you've got some angle, send them an email. They're looking for content that, you know, there's often not much story, local stories that come across their desk unless people give it to them. And if you're one of those people, then you've given them a story and it's, it's how they earn their money. They've got to just turn it into an article. So don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of going to local media. I think sort of my message is, and it sounds like you, you're the same view. Yeah, look, um, our, our local paper, Maranoa Today, has been brilliant. They've often got photos of our shooters on their pages, even on the front page, uh, which, mm. is, which is marvellous. And uh, um, I, I was on statewide radio last year, I think, talking about rifle shooting our upcoming APM. Open prize meeting, sorry, and the the media has been terrific for us, and I think we need to expand this even more. So we're taking out a full page advertisement article. Oh, this is what I'm hoping to do anyway. Um, full page advertisement and article photos of of the club and what we're doing. We'll be doing that sometime over the next few months. I think it is going on. But the, as I say, the print the people have been terrific. They really are helpful. Third thing you mentioned that I want to come back to is Shooters Union, who we got on well with. Um, and I know that you and I, I was perhaps a misunderstanding of where you are located. Like when you said you're out west, I thought maybe you're WA, sort of three hours behind Melbourne. Oh, yeah. No, you're only one hour behind Melbourne. And I had this conversation with uh, the president of SUA a few days ago where I, I referred to time in, in Queensland as being banana time. Just, you know, where he retorted by saying, actually, no, it's the southern states are on delusional time. I thought it was, yeah, <laughs> we could expand I, on I that. Th- I think that's actually, well, we're, we're the ones who wind the, in the hands of the clock forward and back, okay? So we're the ones trying to pretend, you know, that 
the times change when in fact it's just an artifact well, an artifact. Well, so well, I think he's right. To, I think yeah, we people might... used, to, yeah, people used to say Queensland was the the state that forgot uh, that time forgot, but now it's the state that forgot the time, isn't it? I, th- I think standing your ground on that is actually a good thing. I uh, even though it's, it'll be convenient for uh, people in other states, it would um, yeah a get rid of that crazy sort of uh, situation, but also um, iron out the the fact that South Australia is ahead of you by half an hour. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, that's really actually really good to hear about what's happening with your club uh, there and. Uh, I mean, you're basically you're ticking the boxes in terms of the sort of things that I think people want to hear clubs do. And I've seen other clubs. Uh, in fact, a member of a club in, in Melbourne that actually was also on its knees a few years ago, and now it's got um, not sure how many members. I do think I know the number, but it's it's, it's a significant number, and it all comes down to to, to effort. Um, they, there's another club that didn't close down. Yeah, look, the. It only happens because you make it happen. Um, if you sit around and say, oh, it's too hard or we don't want to and it, it's not worth the time, well, then nothing happens. And uh, I said earlier on that the, the, sports used to be, the sport used to be massive and, uh, and I, I'd like to see it that way again. And maybe I'm kidding myself, but we're, we're growing out here and we hope we've got two more coming Fridays coming up one for ladies only and one as a general one where we get people who advertise in the local community and the radio and um, through different regional towns uh, to come out and try the shooting. We'll have rifles on the mounds plus coaches and we'll have an, a, a nice day of it. It's cost next to nothing. Last year it was free. This year we might charge. But we have to grow our membership and by making it attractive, making it easy for people to do it. Uh, that's a big plus. People often intimidate. They don't know where to start. And if you make it, you say, well, here's your starting point. They come out. They're involved. You've actually zeroed in on something I was about to also say, which is it's one thing to have your club open and say, come along and try it. Um, but when you're out there, you're shooting, somebody rolls up, it's, it's inconvenient. Uh, people will just want to finish their shoot and go home. Um, you know, we've all got busy lives with family, work, whatever it is. Uh, yep. Whereas the other clubs that I've seen that have, have grown have done exactly what you said, which is a dedicated time. They put time aside to have dedicated come and try days. And uh, you know, whether they're open on weekends or during the week, doesn't matter. That's obviously gets rid of that, the, pro- the problem for the shooters, but it actually seems to work. I've heard really nothing but good stories about um, being able to recruit people, even though the numbers may not have been astronomical. You don't really want astronomical numbers to begin with because it takes, you know, as you know, the one-on-one work to get somebody set up and take yeah. them through exactly what, what, what happens. Um, it's a steady thing, but you've got to put time aside to manage it. Yeah. We're, we're looking at doing a coming... We've got... I, I'm, again, I'm trying to... Exp- I've got so many plans, but at the moment, we're only shooting once a month at the range. And I'm trying to make that at least twice a month or even more regularly. But we're going, we do our normal monthly competition on a Sunday. So I'm trying to build up on the Saturday so we have best range set up because you've got to put out all the flags and run the targets up. So making it easier for everyone to, if you come and try, they can be tied in with the competition day on the Sunday. That means there's less work involved for everyone. Um, we 
been tried to do working bees as well. So if, if we can link it all together, it's a lot less work. And we had a massive roll-up on the first one. We'll, I don't know how many people I put, put through, but we had a good 12 or 15 people come up and try. Uh, that's on, on a club as small as ours and a town the size of Makadilla, you know, or, or Roma, uh, that's a massive thing. So it, it only took just a bit of effort and ammunition, of course. I mentioned there were four things I was going to respond to you uh, on. I'm kind of glad I held off on the fourth one because you actually mentioned one of the trying day days will be specific to women. And, of course, your local MP is uh, is Anne Lay, who, Ooh. LMP, she's a patron of your club, obviously female, and I can't think of probably a better combination than that um, to try to keep her on the hook and get her to actually promote what you're doing through the electorate but also you know, to Parliament, to other people who actually might hear, hear that and actually realise there's a, there's a constituency out there that actually would want them to um, to engage with their local MP. Yeah, look, um, Roma Gun Club, um, that's not the rifle club, but the gun club's the biggest club in Australia. Uh, it's the biggest gun club in Australia. Uh, what else have we got going out here? You know, the, the, uh, Anne's been, been great. Uh, I say that the backing we're getting from the council has been stunning. But if we can start bringing more ladies into town, like I was down shooting in Brisbane the other day and on at Belmont Range or QRO, and 30% of the shooters there were women. And I was surprised, you know, because when I, I've only just got back into Target, you know, football sort of stuff, the QRO. I did it a lot in the late 60s and early 70s, and it was all guys out of the Second World War or out of Vietnam. Uh, it's very much male dominated, but now, you know, 30% of the shooters the other day were women on the mound, and that's really impressive. Yeah, and if we can expand, you know, that's a whole membership base that we should be trying to grab. It's not only good to, you know, in, ter you know, in terms of capturing, you know, the, the interests of the broader community, but I've got a theory about female shooters and why they're better to coach than the men, and, you know, the one. Thing I would say is they listen, they listen, listen to right. instructions, they and they tend to be better shots. They um, they they also at, at at the earlier levels tend to be way better shots, and I've seen that repeatedly with the people I've coached over the years. That the, the women are good and, and they listen because they, they're good because they listen, and um, the guys they they think they know it. Oh, I've done this and all that, and a lot of them are bloody rubbish. I was just gonna say. How many times have they turned up? They know how to shoot a gun, and of course they miss the target or whatever, and they start getting frustrated because they didn't listen. Yeah, that's it, and they go home. Yeah, no, the the women that are, are initially generally are, are the better shots, and I say thirty percent of the when I was at Belmont the other day, there would have been one hundred and fifty people, I guess on the now maybe more, and thirty um, percent of those were women. So I was really impressed with that. It's good to see that it's inclusive. Right? Um, a, a lot of sports are either male or female. Um, so it's good to see, but we've got to grow this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and look, you know, that will then give you access to, I guess, other people through the parliamentary system, and obviously you will engage with the council anyway. Um, yeah, I think it sounds to me like you're, um, yeah, you, you're on your knees, but you're actually turning this thing around and you're, you're doing the right things. So, no, that's, that's terrific. Mm -hmm.
This episode of Gun News Australia is brought to you by Politics Reloaded. Make sure you follow our podcast or simply join our email list at politicsreloaded.com. Um, Robbie Cat has been interesting too. Um, he's been on the radio a couple of times and I've talked to him and he, he's a bit of a shooter or, or is interested in the shooting uh, because he's a farmer and he's also Cat Australia Party, I guess. And uh, he's not now, he's not anything to do with our electorate, but he's probably the electorate, a couple of electorates further over. But it's good to see politicians who are involved and want to champion the cause of shooters. It's, it, it's all become so toxic over the last few years. And, um, oh, our local sports store person as well, a lady, um, she's, um, or the owner of the sports store, they've got a lot of rifle stuff and they, they help us know it as well. So, we get a lot of response from local gas companies too, like oil and gas as well. So, uh, you know, it's very, shooting's very much a part of the life out here. So it's not as on your nose as in the city. It makes it a little bit easier in some ways. I'm just looking at Robbie Catter's electorate, which goes from the Northern Territory border, up yeah. the banks of Gulf, almost through to Townsville. It's big. Uh, yeah. And then down to uh, the next electric down, which is Gregory, which I think is above the one that um, that you're in. That's it. Yeah. They're big. They're big electorates. There. Uh, in fact, I was speaking with the member for Cook. Uh, I think okay. he's no, actually, sorry, candidate for for Cook. Actually, one of Cadder's boys. Um, I'm still waiting for a response from him, but he's uh, the electorate of Cook. Yeah. I, I jokingly say, if you had a biscuit that that was the shape of Australia and it snapped off the pointy bit. That's that's the electorate. <laughs> the entire electorate is, is yeah. cook. It's, um, so, look, I, I just think it's about growing the sport, and you know, club the club's only small. It, it's getting bigger. Uh, I intend to make uh, myself and the committee. I shouldn't say myself. I all the time, but we are trying to make it bigger. This new division we had, Sports Hunter, that's going to be well. It is massive for us, and it's going to continue to grow the sport in the western regions because it brings in all the hunters. And you think of other big clubs close to Brisbane, like Bay Desert's a very big club, and Ipswich big club. Their, their sport of hunter has been a turnaround for them as well. So even the city clubs, uh, this new division has been massive. And it's been a good new buddy in our way to bring it in. It's not fully recognised yet as being national sort of level competition, but that's trying to be changed. And, you know, I, I've got a pull on that class rifle, but, you know, I've got my Seiko, Seiko work rifle as well, which does the job admirably. It, you know, it's just a new rifle, got a heavier barrel now, but uh, it allows me to compete against the big boys. And it's all about making it accessible. If you can't make the shooting sports accessible, then it becomes exclusive. Uh, and we can't afford that anymore. Okay, look, John, uh, thank you so much for that. I uh, really appreciate he, he ha- having you on, and uh, we'll do that again um, sometime during the year as well, I think. Okay, I'd like to catch up again. Yeah, look, Neil, thanks very much for your time and taking you chasing me up because I'm hard to catch. <laughs> That's right, thank you. Okay, mate. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and that you're on our email list. And don't forget to check the episode notes because that's where you'll find out how you can support us. Plus, let us know if you want something promoted on the podcast. Maybe you've got a shoot coming up that you want to promote.
just let us know. We'll see you in our next episode of Gun News Australia, brought to you by Politics Reloaded.